following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I would love to preach messages on the last day events as found in the book of Daniel and as found in the book of Revelation. I read Revelation often from chapter 1 all the way through the end in one sitting. I also love to read the book of Daniel and Ezekiel. Well, preacher, why don't you talk about it? I don't do that very much. The messages that I have given on Revelation and on Daniel and on end-time events have been among the most popular that I have given. And people search after them. There is a hunger among God's people and among pagans to know what is going to happen in our world. But I don't talk about that very much because the Lord has not assigned me the the prophetic role. I am not a prophet, but I am a watchman. A watchman does not give the same message that a prophet gives. A watchman is one who carefully observes, carefully sees what is being done, sees the enemy approaching, is able to clearly identify the issues that need to be addressed if we're going to be ready to meet the onslaught of the enemy as he comes upon us. So I don't talk very much about these last-day events that seem to be crowding in upon us. I believe that we are living at the end of time. I believe that we are, in our lifetime, going to see the great final events of Earth's history. I believe Jesus is coming, imminent return of Jesus, There is nothing preventing him from coming and taking his people home. He can do that at any moment, and everything is set for him to do that now. But we have a major problem, and that problem is end-time apostasy in the church. I'm old enough to know what the church was like 30, 40, even 50 years ago. I've been a pastor now for just over 50 years. Most of that time I have spent here in Washington, D.C. The demonic power has grown exponentially in Washington, D.C. since I have pastored in the nation's capital. When I drive away from Washington, it's as though a heavy oppression, a cloud, lifts from me. And when I drive back into the metro area, that dark, wicked, oppressive, demonic presence begins to settle down on my mind and my heart again. I know the battle that I have fought now for 50 years in Washington, D.C., has been a battle against demonic spirits. This city is spectacularly wicked, evil, corrupt. Now, it's always been that. But in the last 25 years, it has exploded. But I also recognize that we who call ourselves Christians across America have gone into a tremendous downfall of apostasy, a particular during the last 25 years. 
the church today is nothing like it was at the turn of the century when God's Spirit was poured out at Azuzu Street or Catherine Coleman or others. There was a sincerity. There was a a hunger for God that is simply absent today. I remember as a boy, prayer meeting was a weekly attendance by my family, as well as a Friday night meeting, as well as our worship. We were centered in the church. Our community was the church community. Our friends were the people of Christ, the godly people that walked together, that shared one another's burdens. Many, many, many Saturday afternoons, my mother and father and other families would gather just to share the gospel, encourage one another. We had a game that we played that was very useful to me. We would go around the circle of perhaps 15 people, and each person was asked to please give by memory a passage of Scripture. And when it finally came to your turn, and you could no longer quote a passage of Scripture, you were out of the game. And it would continue until every person had either emptied themselves of every memorized passage, and we had a winner. Well, needless to say, my father was often the winner of that game. He memorized many, many passages of Scripture and called my brothers and myself to do likewise. One dear sister, she was very good. She memorized the entire book of Mark. She could stop or begin, if you would say, chapter 3, verse 1. She would begin in chapter 3, verse 1, and she would quote the entire chapter. But she could also quote the entire book. And I have fond memories of listening to her beautiful voice as she gave to us the book of Mark in our prayer meeting. And then she would stop, and next prayer meeting she'd pick up where she left off, and again we would hear that. My favorite was the story of Emmaus. Well, what am I saying to you? I'm saying please understand that God has called us to a place of holiness, to a place of righteousness, and we have fallen desperately short of what he's called us to. I want to share with you several major scriptures that talk about this condition. And just to finish the opening, the reason I don't preach very much about Revelation or preach very much about Daniel is because most Christians today do not have hearts that are prepared to hear the final day events. Because if they're interested, it is largely to look at, can I say this? Last day porn. In other words, they just want to know. They want to know atomic war is coming. They want to know there's going to be persecution. They want to know. But their hearts aren't ready to receive what they want to know. It's like the children of Israel who, when the enemy had surrounded Jerusalem, they went up on the rooftops and they said, let's, let's feast. Let's celebrate. Let's drink. For tomorrow we perish. And so they would have great parties. And the Lord said to them, I will never forgive you for this. I will never forgive you for this. 
and the enemy came and destroyed them. They were killed by the sword, and the enemy overcame them. Well, today is very similar. I could preach a sermon today for you on the Battle of Gog and Magog. It's shaping up. It will soon take place. Or I could talk about the final battle at the end of the seven years. But what good would it do? If your heart is not prepared to respond to that because of apostasy, of what value would it be except to satisfy curiosity or the desire to know the latest prophetic word? Be honest with you, I have basically turned away and no longer listened to the modern prophets because they've been so wrong. They speak a word and then it's not fulfilled. Well, I'm not interested in in lies, in lying spirits. I'm interested in the word of God. And if it does not comport with the word of God, I don't want to hear it. If it does not bring light to the gospel of the kingdom of God, I'm not interested. I don't go to witches. I don't go to to have my hand read or or demonic cards thrown. I don't go to seances. I don't go to the darkness of the occult. So I'm going to read you some passages of Scripture today. If you're able, I urge you to get a Bible. And I ask you to look with me at these terrifying last day predictions regarding the spiritual condition of God's people. See, I've been assigned a task. And the task I've been assigned is to rebuke wickedness and worldliness and to call you to follow Jesus in holiness and righteousness, to be entirely sanctified, to be transformed, and to be waiting on Jesus with expectancy, looking forward to his coming in the clouds. Now, if that's not your interest, and that's why these broadcasts are not very popular in the American culture today or the American church, because we we want the spectacular. We want to be entertained with, this is what's going to happen, and, and then you can expect that, and then this, and... No, I'm not interested. Thank you. Is there going to be a secret rapture before the time of tribulation? Oh, I hear very convincing arguments both ways, for and against. But you know what? It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that my life is given over to Jesus Christ. My life is utterly in obedience to the word of God. That the spirit of God quickens my heart and speaks to me, rebukes any wickedness that he finds, and calls me to be baptized in Pentecost power for the work of the gospel. That's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in America turning back from its wickedness and becoming a Christian nation again. I don't want speculation. I don't want man's opinions. Please, I want what the Word of God says. Now, I I want to point out to you before I read these passages of Scripture, that they were written by apostles just before they were martyred or they died. In many ways, these are the last words of these men of God as they warned us about what was going to happen at the end of time. 
the first passage that I'd like to read for you, and I urge you to write these passages down and go back and listen to them, read them, pray over them. Let the Holy Spirit search your heart to see if there is any apostasy in your spirit. Apostasy is that which is turning aside from the living God to the foolishness of the human heart. Paul writes in 2 Timothy, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, without self-control, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. He's describing the church. The last day church is going to have a form of godliness. They're going to know how to talk the God language. Can you hear when I say this? God language makes me want to vomit. It makes me physically sick. What do I mean? I mean all of the right words that should describe a wonderful life in Christ. But in that person, you know they have absolutely no meaning. There is no integrity to go with the God talk. That makes me sick. Are you a Christian? Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. Do you love Jesus? Oh, yes, I love Jesus. And they don't. But we sing our sentimental, worldly, Christian music. A form of godliness, but denying its power. It's a business. It's hype. I went to a concert many years ago. I won't go now, but many years ago I did go. I was given free tickets to a large concert in a, in a large venue. And there was a southern gospel music group And I was moved to tears by the music that one woman shared. Now, because I'd been given VIP tickets, I was allowed to go backstage afterward. I wanted to talk with that woman about Jesus. When I found her, I said to her, Your testimony and music moved me to tears today. And she said, Oh, no, don't you understand? We just do music. I said, do you love Jesus the way you sang? She looked at me like I was some innocent, poor farm boy. She said, we're actors. We're on stage acting. And I knew the truth then for her. that She was a liar. She was in full-blown apostasy. A form of godliness, but denying its power. And then these words that are shocking to me have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with who? Those in the church who are actors, who know the God talk, 
but have no relationship with Jesus Christ. Their head is full of biblical knowledge, and they can say all the right things, but the fruit of their life, sour lemons, wickedness. They don't demonstrate kindness or mercy or love. They have no compassion. Always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. Depraved minds. As far as as far as faith is concerned, they are rejected. And Timothy is being told by Paul, don't have anything to do with those God talkers. Now, in 2 Timothy also, he says this in verse 3. This is 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. The time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now he had charged Timothy with, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instructions. Well, right now we are out of season. And the fruit being born in the church is of a very poor quality because everybody wants to believe the lie that God has unconditional love for us. If God had unconditional love for us, we would all be universalists. We would believe that nobody could be sent to hell. You cannot, you cannot agree that there is a hell and say that God has unconditional love. They are irre- irreconcilable. You can't put those two things together. Likewise, Itching ears today want to hear, you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you can't lose your heavenly place. And as one false pastor said, look, go to church and have a good time. Enjoy the ride until you reach heaven, because you can't lose your salvation regardless of what sin you might commit. God will never disown his own children. He's a lying I was going to say sack of manure. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? We're in a very desperate situation. This was Paul speaking and saying, don't have anything to do with them. Then we come to James, the fifth chapter. James, the fifth chapter. Now, please listen. Now, listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. I've rejoiced in one brother who has sent offerings for the radio broadcast of gold coins and silver coins. We would not be on the air today had God not moved in this dear brother's heart to give so kindly of his gold and silver. And frankly, if some of you are stackers, 
and you've put aside large amounts of gold and silver, you're not going to have time to use it all. And I urge you to give it to the work of the gospel. One woman that I knew, in her safe at home, a large safe, she had stacked bags and bags and bags of gold and of silver. And I said to her, when do you think you'll be able to use all of this gold and silver? Oh, in the last days, I'm going to need it. Is gold and silver your Savior? Or is Jesus Christ your Savior? He continues, The wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm before the Lord's coming is near, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Now is not the time to satisfy our curiosity about end-time events. There are those who have great insight in these things. I praise God for them. But the church is not ready to receive the end-time message because the church is in full-blown apostasy in America. We're going to have to see a corner turned. And frankly, I'm waiting upon the Lord. for he will do what he has promised. And he will bring revival to Washington, D.C. and to this nation. I have cried out, and you have cried out. One of you called me this morning, Leslie. She called me and she said, Pastor, I've prayed and fasted until I have battle fatigue. Would you pray for me? I've been praying for Leslie this morning, for the healing power of the Holy Spirit to flow through her body and her life. I ask you, would you please also pray for Leslie? She is an extraordinary prayer warrior, and she has been crying out to God, and she is committed to finishing this prayer intercession for America for the American church. I praise God for each one of you who are willing to pay the price that God has called me to pray to pay, to be on the lathe of God and to be trimmed down until I'm barely anything except a tool that God can use in his hand. It's time to stop the entertainment, the television, the videos, it's time to get right with Jesus. The judge is standing at the door. The judge is standing at the door. You know what happens when the judge stands at the door. The bailiff comes in and he says, All stand. And the judge enters and he sits at his big desk, higher than anyone else. And the case begins to be heard. Well, the judge is at the door, and your case will be heard. How will you stand before the court? I want to read another passage of Scripture for you. Second Peter, the second chapter. But there were also false prophets among the people, 
just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. (coughs) Pardon me. How will they deny the Lord, these false teachers? They will deny that the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to wash away your sin, to remove it from your life, and to leave you free to walk without wickedness. They will deny that. They will say that you can never leave your sin until you die, thus making death your Savior, not Jesus or his precious blood. They will introduce the destructive heresy that you can never leave your sin. And then you'll say, well, if I can't leave my sin, God, you'll have to accept me just like I am. And God will not accept you the way you are. You have to be born from above. You have to be transformed into his likeness. You have to leave your life of sin. You have to be born again in utter righteousness. Some people teach another destructive heresy. The sanctification is the work of a lifetime. And they teach that you're always struggling against the darkness of your life. But that's not what the Apostle Paul said in Romans, the sixth chapter. He said the old man of sin has to be destroyed. Not when Jesus comes, but now. These are the destructive heresies that deny the sovereign Lord this lie that you can never lose your place in Christ once you've been saved. Again, it's a destructive heresy denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. The gospel of Jesus Christ is in disrepute in America today because of the wickedness that is in the church. Pagans scorn the church today. It's viewed as a, well, let's talk about Salvation Army. It was one of the most powerful evangelistic organizations to ever come. And yet today it's been reduced to a toothless lion, a social a social club, doing good, helping the poor, a nonprofit, but not about the gospel of Jesus. I pray that the Salvation Army will return. And yes, they can ring their bells at Christmas time. But how about going out on the streets of America with your uniforms on and a little band and play music and draw a crowd and preach the gospel on the street? Where's that happening? They brought the way of truth into disrepute. They're not alone. The Methodist, the United Methodist Church today wants to do just a social gospel. They don't want to do the gospel of Jesus. They're in the process of becoming very inclusive, and they say, we have to love everybody, and that means accept their behavior and install them in leadership roles and positions. They brought the way of truth into disrepute. So much so that the Methodist Church, United Methodist Church, is now splintering, even as the Episcopal Church did. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that they've made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. Their destruction has not been sleeping. 
For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. I want to come back. I believe the scriptures are pretty clear that Noah's family was the only family that didn't have their DNA corrupted. Our DNA in America is being corrupted again. I Yes, you heard that right. The devil wants to corrupt our DNA. And it's already being it's already begun. Thirty million Americans have already gotten the jab. And it will corrupt their DNA. I will not begin to venture to answer what their standing is before God. That's between them and the Lord. But I'm very concerned. If he condemned, this is Second Peter 2, verse 6, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. The judge is at the door. Your case will soon go before him. Are you in apostasy against Jesus? Are you one of the cheap grace, easy believers who's never decided to truly follow after Jesus. He says this is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, these men are not afraid to slander celestial beings, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not bring slanderous accusations against such beings in the presence of the Lord. But these men blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They're like brute beasts, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like beasts they too will perish. He's speaking here about people who were in the church in the last days. They will be paid back with harm for the harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse, that is, to drink and laugh and joke, to not recognize that the judge is standing at the door. This is the church today. The leaders of one mega, mega church in Washington, who some time ago, the guy said, let's get together and let's smoke our cigars together. And as they're smoking their cigars, somebody makes a suggestion, you know, there's a great new strip club. Let's go, let's go take a look. It won't hurt anything. And off they went to the strip club. Leaders of this mega church, evangelical, They'll be paid back with harm for the harm they've done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes reveling in their pleasure when they feast with you. Reference to the Lord's communion and the love supper. They're a part of the church. With eyes full of adultery, 
They never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam. Balaam, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, a beast without speech, who spoke with a man's voice and restrained the prophet's madness. We need some donkeys to speak to the American church. I may be one of them. It's time the American church was confronted with its true condition. Are you a part of the American church? Have you left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam? You want the wages of wickedness? For you, life is about getting what you want, fulfilling your bucket list. I shudder when I hear Christian men talking about their bucket list, all the things that they want to do in their retirement or before. I have a bucket. My bucket's full of Jesus. My bucket's full of Jesus. He's the one I want. Oh, would it be fun to visit all of the national parks? Yes, absolutely. Do I love the mountains? Absolutely. I was born in Denver, Colorado. I love the mountains, but I'm desperately ashamed of Denver. I'm shy of even calling it my birthplace because it's become so evil, so wicked, so cast down in the midst of the mountains. How to even talk about it? He was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey. But then it goes on. He doesn't stop. He doesn't give us an easy out. He says, these men are springs without water. You go to a spring for a fresh, cold, pure drink of water. It comes out clean. These men look like springs, but there's no water. Mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of the sinful human nature. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in air. They promise them freedom. Well, they themselves are slaves to depravity. For a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. And you can tell what has mastered you. It's what you spend your time and your thoughts on. Have you been mastered by some sport? Have you been mastered by a desire to make money? Have you been mastered by sexual uncleanness? Have you been mastered by sin? They promise them freedom. Well, they themselves are slaves of depravity, for a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and again are entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. It would have been better for many of you to never have come into the Christian church. If you turn your backs on the sacred commands of Jesus to walk without sin, clean, blameless before a holy God, Verse 22, of them the proverb is true. A dog returns to its vomit. A sow that is washed goes back to her wallowing in the mud. And I come today, in all seriousness, to ask you, are you wallowing in the mud? 
Have you gone back to your vomit? Are you still calling yourself a Christian, but you've gone back to lying and cheating and stealing and drugging and drinking? Are you walking in uncleanness with a man or a woman? We have to get ready. Jesus is coming. It's not going to do you any good for me to come and give you all kinds of information about how to interpret Revelation or how to interpret the prophecies of Daniel if in your heart you're back in your wickedness, enjoying and feasting on things of darkness. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray today that this message has touched your heart. Let me pray for you. Lord, I come praying for my brother and my sister. I come praying and asking that you would turn our hearts back to righteousness, that you would sanctify us through and through by your precious blood, Jesus, that we would not cheapen the gospel message, that we would not water it down, that we would stand by faith in you, Jesus, as our Lord and as our Savior. Lord, I thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. If you know that this message needs to be heard by countless numbers in Washington, D.C. and around the world on the Internet, then I ask, will you help me stay on the air? We're on the 15th of this month, and this is one of the large months, and I need help to pay the radio bill. I've been crying out to God and asking that he would move in your hearts to prompt you to give because this message of the gospel of Jesus has to come straight and unvarnished. If you can help, if God has blessed you with silver or gold, if God has blessed you with an income, you can give online by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. Click on the upper right-hand corner. Or you can send to me National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 The National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 God bless you my brother, my sister I love you I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you soon.